hard using every half term facts, but for a good number of years, I used to really enjoy coming up and sharing fellowship with you and uh, leading the service and bringing God's <coughs> word. So it's good to be back, good to renew fellowship um, in this way. Uh, I know Hughes, we've not actually met Hugh yet, but we're looking forward to meeting him at some point. Uh, I know um, I've been trying to get you to, to come and preach on a few occasions, I've not been able to. Uh, so it's good that we've been able to, to make it work this time. So thank you for your welcome. Um, it is really good to be here. And I trust God will bless us as we as we look at his word together. Um, what, what I've done this morning, I've, I'm not taking a, well, I've taken a few passages of scripture, to be honest, but we're going to look at a theme, a topic of heaven. So I'd like to take you to heaven uh, mm. this morning, um, or what will happen, what we can, what, what, what the God's word shows, some of the things that will happen um, in the future. Um, so we'll, before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can spend this time together looking at your word. We thank you that there are things in your word which <coughs> can, can grasp, no eye has seen, no has the ear heard, uh, the, the mind imagined, the, the things that God has provided, prepared for his people. But we thank you that you have revealed them to us by your spirit. And we pray you'd help us to understand things unseen as we look at them this morning. Uh, we pray that we would be transported to that view of the future, that view of glory, and that as we consider heaven, as we consider um, our place there and who we will see there, that you would use this in our lives here and now. We thank you that this is such a practical way that we can uh, know your help with us and live for you, and serve you well, love you more, trust in you, be settled in you as we think about these eternal issues. And so we pray, Lord, that you help us now as we consider your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I say, it's not, a, it's not one particular passage, but I'd like to read three passages just to help fill in uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning. So the first one is 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. <coughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, Sorry, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And if you flick over to 1 John 3 2, just over the page in my Bible.
water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Sometimes we might talk of total transformation. Um, but is that transformation that we talk about something that's only slight or temporary? Someone may um, want to go to the gym in order to transform their body to become uh, more fitter, uh, stronger, uh, different physique. And you talk about, I'm going to have a total transformation. But is that really the case? Give your house a makeover. I want to do some home improvements. I want to Im improve my home. I want to, I want to totally transform my house. Is it possible? Would we really call that a total transformation? But when it comes to heaven and when it comes to us being there, the phrase total transformation is actually spot on. I've only got two points this morning. Uh, the first one is our total transformation. And the second point will be creation's total transformation. So as you can see, this is a, a, an all-encompassing transformation that we are looking forward to and anticipating ourselves and creation itself, the Bible says, will be totally transformed one day. We might say, what's in it for me? What will I get out of heaven? Uh, a child sometimes might say, when I grow up, I want to be like this. Um, and it can, we can, perhaps there's a little bit of a danger that we are overly focused upon ourselves and what we get out of heaven. Now, that's, it's not wrong to do that. And that is what we're going to be spending most of <laughs> this morning doing, is seeing what, what our place will be, what we will be like, and what this new creation will be like. But what we need to keep in mind as we go through this is holding f certain things in our minds, keeping first things first. Because at the end of the day, heaven, and as the new creation, which we're going to be considering, it's, it's about God's glory. Heaven is the place where God's glory right now is on full display, is seen by angels and by the, the, the saints who are in heaven, their, 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 their souls who are in heaven. They are now seeing the glory of God right now. So heaven is a place where God's glory is on full display and view. It's his, we can say it's his home. Yes, the whole of the creation is, is where God is. But heaven in particular is the home of God. It's where he dwells. It's where he lives. It's where his glory is on full display. And that's happening right now. So keep that in mind as we go through this. And also, we also must keep in mind that uh, to be in heaven is to be with Christ, which is far better. So that is what as believers we're looking forward to, that we're anticipating, that our longing should be. When, Christ, uh, when Paul spoke, he said, I'd rather depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to be made in the body is, is beneficial to you. So our, our, our thoughts should be primarily to see the glory of God and to be with Christ, which is far better. So keep, th keep that in mind as we go through what, it, what, we, what um, the effects on us will be and of the new creation. Okay, so heaven should be something that we are 
really looking forward to? Before I ask you to put your hands up, who's looking forward? Don't do this. Who's looking forward to going to heaven? Are you looking forward to being there? Um, because the reality is that we're going to be with Christ. Are you looking forward to being with Christ? Is that a heart desire of yours? Uh, is it something that you're looking forward to because you're going to be totally transformed? If it is something that you're looking forward to, that will be of enormous help to you in your Christian lives today. Okay, so right here, right now, you've got whatever your working week is that's coming up, uh, whatever your um, plans you've got for the coming week, whatever challenges you might be facing, whatever difficulties are going on in your life, whatever the circumstances that you are in, having a hope of heaven, what we're going to consider shortly, is enormous benefit to you in your everyday life situations and struggles. Okay, so it's not a case of being too heavenly minded for any earthly use. It's the opposite. The more you have your hope and heart set upon heaven and who you'll see there and with Christ and with being in glory, the, mo the more it will be of benefit to you and others and in your service to the Lord here and now. Okay, so this is not just ac an academic exercise that we're doing here. This has value. This has purpose. We read before 1 John chapter 3. Um, John said, dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. 1 John 3, 2. Now there's a lot about heaven that hasn't been revealed. In fact, Jesus taught more about hell than he did about heaven. So there's a lot about heaven that hasn't been revealed, but there's a lot that has. There's one thing, one huge thing that we do know is that we will be like the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a believer this morning, you will be like him, like your saviour. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean that we'll be like Jesus? Now, Jesus is a man. He is a human. Um, and what, as humans, are we made up of? Is a biology lesson, but what, what, what comprises us as human beings? What are we? Who are we? Well, we're not, as you, I'm sure you know, we're not just body. We are body and soul. Uh, we are two. Um, um, there are two parts of us, if you want to put it that way. Now, some people will have us believe that we're all physical, that we're just physical and that's it. And when you die, you rot. And that's the end of you. Goodbye. That's it. Nice knowing you. Goodbye, Earth. But we're not, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, we have a body and we have a soul. Jesus, the man, has a body and a soul. I, I was going to say he had a body and a soul, but we say he has a body and a soul because he's alive now in heaven. Uh, which is why when Jesus was on the cross, one of the last things he said, in fact, the last thing, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, he dismissed his, his soul, his spirit, into the presence of God. And so Jesus, as the Son of God, was made like us in every way, except for sin, of course. So he was a full human, a complete human, the perfect man, fully human, which means he has a body and a soul. He took on a body, took on a soul when he came to earth. Um, and he lives now in heaven, as we said, raised from the dead as a man, body and soul. So let's consider those two parts of who we are, body and soul. Let's look at soul first. Um, we will be like Jesus in his, in his soul. 
Okay, so what does it mean for your soul? Hebrews 12, 22 says, you have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus. So the, the author of Hebrews is there, the author to the letter of Hebrews there is saying that, uh, is considering the spirits of the righteous made perfect. They are those who are in heaven now. Their spirits, the souls are in heaven now. They've been made perfect. Okay, so the spirit of God's people in heaven now made perfect. It's got to be, hasn't it? They have, they have to have been made perfect before going into heaven. Because heaven is a place of perfection. It's a place of holiness. It's a place of beauty, of glory. Nothing will be able to enter into heaven to defile it. So there'll be no sin in heaven. Which means that the souls of sinful people would defile heaven if they were to go there. So there's, there's you and I, with our, we, we have sin still in us. There's no way that the sin within our souls could ever enter into heaven when we die. So what, what must that mean happens at the point of death? When a believer dies, uh, they are, their soul is made perfectly holy, sinless, purified, in order to enter into heaven itself, to be with God, to be with his people, to be in that holy um, place of beauty, of glory, of perfection where God is. All traces of sin will be removed from you forever at the point you enter into heaven. Isn't that a glorious truth? Do you struggle with sin? Do you feel the sin a burden and uh, it gets you down and it's a battle, isn't it, every day? One day, you'll be free of sin forever, completely. Here we are below on earth and sin is our greatest burden, isn't it? It's what we sorrow over, it's what we struggle with, we battle with it every day. Um, as Christians, we've been changed. Yes, we've been transformed. We've been born again into a new kingdom. But we still have remaining sin within our members that we have to fight with. Now, we may, have, as believers, have been freed from committing serious sins. Uh, I'm sure that's the case. Well, that is the case, isn't it? Uh, as believers, we don't commit, generally speaking, serious sins. But if we're honest, if we look into our hearts, and if you're honest this morning, even though on the outside you may like to think that you're quite a decent person and other people might think you're a, quite a decent person you don't do anything seriously wrong but if you look at your heart you'll, you'll see if you're honest with yourself that you're self-centered that you're impure that you are impatient at times you're dishonest even we snap at other people don't we tempers rise and sometimes we purposefully want to hurt those who are closest to us Maybe you hold on to resentment for days. It's simmering. And other times, sometimes when we're in the wrong and we know it, we're too proud to say that little word, I'm sorry. We can be unmoved by God's word, can't we? We can read God's word and it can mean nothing to us at times. We might pray for the lost, but deep down we perhaps don't really care that much for them. And we may go through the actions of worshipping the Lord, uh, and that might have happened even this morning, but our minds are on other things that at, the, at that point are more important to us than worshipping God. We get jealous of other Christians as well, don't we? But in heaven, all of that sin will be gone forever. No more breaking God's commandments and having to ask the Lord for forgiveness. No more having to repent. 
No more having to say, sorry, Lord, I've sinned again. Or saying to this person, I'm sorry, I've offended you, I've hurt you. There'll be nothing in heaven to cloud our relationship with the Lord and with each other. Now, isn't that an encouragement for you today with the particular sin that you might be struggling with? Is there a sin that you are finding hard to get the mastery over right now? Well, knowing that one day it will be gone forever is an encouragement for you to continue that struggle, that battle, that, that resisting of that particular temptation and particular sin that you struggle with. It gives you courage and it gives you hope. And it gives us a determination to prepare for heaven right now while you're on earth. Because while we are here for these however many years uh, each of us have left on this earth, this should be a time for us to prepare for going to, to glory, to be with him. It enables us to be dealing with the sin of our lives. And that is a sign, that is a, uh, an indication that you are preparing for heaven if you're doing battle with sin. Now recently in, in our church, um, a young couple moved house um, and um, in the build up to moving house, you, you could tell that they were planning to move because the house went on the market and the for sale sign went up and there was phone calls to, to the solicitors. Uh, there were boxes being packed. Uh, there were phone calls and WhatsApp messages to people on the church to help out with this, that and the other and cleaning and looking after the baby and the dog and, and things like that. Um, removal firms were booked and put in place and conversations about what the new house was going to be like. Evidence that they were preparing to move home. And there should, there should also be evidence in our lives that we are also preparing to move home. That you are preparing to move from this world, which is not really our home, is it? To our final home, our glorious home, our eternal home. Is there evidence in your life that you are preparing to move. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So there is one evidence that you are preparing to move because you're fighting against the sin that remains within you. So that's our souls. What about our bodies? Okay, we're human, as I've said. Jesus was human. Uh, he's fully man, fully God. In, as being fully man, he had a body, had a soul. We looked at the soul, what about our bodies? Now, not only will our souls be like Christ's soul, our bodies will be like Christ's body. Our bodies will live again after death, the Bible says. Now, some believers don't perhaps grasp this as well. I've talked to a few that it, it, sometimes it's hard to grasp this that the Bible teaches. Um, who can we blame for this? Some people say we can blame Plato. So if you want to blame someone for not understanding properly that we are body and soul, blame Plato. Uh, he lived th over 300 BC. And even though he lived so long ago, the influence of Plato's teaching reaches down to us today. He devalued the body. He said the body's not important. Uh, it doesn't matter about your body. It's the soul that matters. That's what counts he said the soul is superior. The soul is the indestructible part of you, the immortal part, where the body is doomed to destruction and that will soon be gone and, uh, and decay and that will be the end of it. 
The body, he said, is a tomb of the soul. So you want to be free from the body, and, and that's what you need. You, the body is restrictive. Um, we need to get rid of the body, and then your soul, once, you, once your soul's free of the body, then that's it. You, you're, you're where you're meant to be. And unfortunately, that kind of thinking has crept into Christian thinking, uh, uh, and even into some preaching sometimes. Denying the resurrection of the body, which is of utmost importance in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The redemption of God's people, and God redeems his people, body and soul. When God first made everything in, back in Genesis, he saw everything he made, and it was very good. All part of his creation at the beginning was very good, including our bodies. And so you and I are a physical, spiritual unity. That is who we are. And God has designed and made us, uh, uh, that's how he's made us, and that's his plan for us for all eternity, that we will be body and soul. So we're not a permanent soul in a temporary body. We're made from the dust of the ground, and the breath of life was breathed into us at creation. As Paul said, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought at a price. And you, being who you are, body and soul, have been bought at a price. Jesus came to redeem us, both body and soul. He came to save you, and you are a human being, body and soul. So they're going to be the same bodies that we had on earth, but transformed bodies. Philippians 3.20, we eagerly wait for a saviour from there, from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. So we're looking forward to that time when Jesus will return and transform our humble bodies to be like his. Now Satan is a completely defeated um, enemy. He wanted to destroy the image of God as it was found in people. He wanted to destroy us body and soul because as people we, we display, we give, we show the image of God. Now, Satan has been defeated. Uh, he cannot do that, and Christ has redeemed us completely from him. Now, if you, wanna, you want the most detailed description of what our resurrected bodies will be like, then you need to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 15. You don't need to do that. We can if you want, but I'm just going to briefly read a couple of verses from there now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42. Uh, so we're talking about the resurrection of the body, um, and it, it takes the analogy of, of sowing and reaping. If you can picture someone going out with seed to sow and they throw the, the seed in the ground uh, and the seed uh, dies but then grows into something totally different and Paul says this what is sown talking about the human body what is sown is perishable what is raised is imperishable it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body and so our bodies will be profoundly different from what they are now. The bodies that we look forward to and anticipate um, having at the resurrection will be com well, completely different from what they are now. I say completely, maybe profoundly different is a better way of, of phrasing that. They'll, they will be sown perishable. These bodies will be sown perishable, raised imperishable. So the bodies that we will have when we're raised from the dead will be imperishable. Now, once you get past the age of about 32, your body starts to 
slowly power down and wind down, doesn't it? Some of us are, are further along that journey uh, than others. Deterioration is set into the human condition. If you're under 32, then enjoy it while you can, because <laughs> it won't last, uh, because it's gonna happen. Our bodies, when we get to a certain age, uh, and some perhaps quicker than others, we start to deteriorate, we start to decay. We get older, we get slower, aches and pains increase. You might have some plastic surgery, you might have some vitamin supplements, you might dye your hair, but in the long run, it's not gonna make much difference. You're gonna continue to go downhill. Youth vanishes quicker than we expect or want. But in heaven, there will be no deterioration of our bodies. They won't wind down, they won't get slower and older. Um, instead, we'll be rejuvenated beyond any sickness, any injury, any pain, any death. Weakness, frailness, suffering will be gone in these resurrected bodies. Okay, our bodies will be sown in dishonor. They'll be raised in glory. Sometimes as a, a pastor, I'm, I'm present when someone has just died. Often it's just, be, just before they died or just after they died. Um, and seeing the body of someone who has died, there is no glory in that body. That body that is left is, a, is an empty shell. You can tell there is no life there. Sometimes you see films uh, of pic pictures of people who are you know, acting, pretending to be dead. You can tell they've just got their eyes closed. There's something different about seeing someone who's died. They're not there. It's an empty shell. It's a corpse. Decay has begun even before the body is placed in the ground. But one day, the body of the believer that is laid in the ground will be raised to awesome splendor, to shine like the sun forever and ever, sown in dishonor, raised in glory. C.S. Lewis said these words, perhaps not quite in the context of what we're talking about, but, it's, but you, you see what, what he's saying. Remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you'll be strongly tempted to worship. That is the glory that you will have as a believer one day. That if someone was to see you today, they'd think, here is a, an amazing, glorious, heavenly being. I want to worship it. Obviously, you shouldn't worship <laughs> a creature. Only God deserves worship. But that's, you get what he's saying there. We'll also be sown in weakness, we'll be raised in power. No more that deathly tiredness, no more weariness, no more chronic fatigue, no more ME, no more lethargy, no more feeling like you're wading through treacle. It's just hard going. We'll all be filled with energy all the time. All our exercise and activity will be carried out with strength and energy and power on the new creation. We'll get to that later. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body, what does that mean, a spiritual body? Sometimes you think, well, that sounds a bit of a funny, funny phrase. Does it mean I'll be like an ethereal kind of body, spiritual body? It doesn't mean that. Um, it means that you will have a, a physical body that will be totally under the control of the Holy Spirit, completely led by the Spirit of God. A physical body, but led by the Spirit dwelling within you completely and fully, giving you life, giving you direction. And God will delight in us as his people. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Jesus will be satisfied in you, in what he's made of you, in who he has made you, because you will be like him. 
body and soul like him. Now we are never happy with ourselves, are we, generally speaking? We can often be ashamed of ourselves, disappointed in ourselves. We feel unlovable. Who could love me? Why would God love me? But because the Lord will transform, transform you, body and soul, into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will delight in you, as he does already anyway, more so than I guess, because of who he will have made you, body and soul. Okay, so that's us. That's our transformation. We're going to look now, secondly, at creation's total transformation. Now, do we perhaps find it sometimes hard to envisage what heaven will be like? We're often told what heaven will not be like, which is really helpful. We've read some of that before. There's going to be no sin, no sorrow, no pain, no night, no death. We rejoice in what heaven won't be like. We'll be glad that the former things will have passed away. But what will it actually be like? Sometimes we might find it hard to relate to the symbolism that the Bible uses. We read that from Revelation earlier. Um, when the Bible speaks about a sea of glass and gates of pearl, of crowns, of streets of gold, we think, well, that sounds a bit of a hard place. I'd rather have lanes and trees and fields and streams and mountains and, and nice things, not, not all this hard stuff. And so we can perhaps think, well, I can't really grasp heaven because some of the pictures that are used, I find it a little bit hard to relate to. Or maybe we struggle to see our bodies there. Uh, we perhaps still think that heaven won't be suited to these resurrected bodies that the Lord's going to give us on his return. Yet heaven, or the new creation, we can use the both, both phrases interchangeably, is the ideal place for those resurrected bodies that we've been talking about to dwell on. When Christ returns, the whole of creation, including the earth, will be transformed for us so that our glorified bodies can live on the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And it seems as though heaven and earth will come together in a glorious unity. Heaven and earth will be combined as heaven comes down and, and uh, earth, uh, new, new creation, new heavens, new earth, all one so that you'll be in heaven and on earth at the same time, if you can perhaps put it that way. So it seems that that's what the Bible indicates when it talks about the new creation. Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Romans um, chapter 8, the, cr and the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So there's going to be a regeneration, a regeneration of our bodies, a regeneration of creation. Jesus said, uh, when he was, I think he was talking to his disciples, he, he said, in the new world, another translation has it, at the renewal of all things. I think another translation has it, at the regeneration. He was talking about the future regeneration of the world. Now that word regeneration is a very interesting word. It means a second genesis. There's going to be a second genesis when uh, God will will um, recreate all of his creation, restore all things. And God's plan has always been to redeem everything, not just our souls and then get rid of our bodies and get rid of the earth, but to redeem everything, the whole of creation, our bodies and creation as well. And so God didn't scrap the whole of the human race uh, and start again when we sinned. He isn't going to scrap the earth off either. He's going to redeem all things to himself. He's transforming us into the image of his son and he will transform creation too. So I therefore think that, that must mean that the animals, the birds, the vegetation, the flowers, the grass, the rivers, the streams, the mountains, the hills, the earth itself 
it's going to be transformed. Isaiah 11, the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion and the fattened calf will be together and a child will lead them. So yes, picture language, but it must be picturing something. 2 Peter 3, when Jesus returns, the elements will, will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And so a new heavens and a new earth will emerge when Christ returns to this earth. So it won't be a, an absolutely new creation, as though scrapping off the old one completely, and a totally new one, I don't believe. But it'll be the, the current creation in which we live, new in quality, new in freshness and vitality. The basic identity will still be there for us and for creation. So you could argue that this is the real answer to the environmental issues that we currently face as a world, uh, as, a, as, a, as a planet, don't you? Uh, as temperatures rise, is it 1.5 degrees C has already been reached. Not that that's a, a, a huge worry yet, but it's, it's getting worryingly close, isn't it? But it doesn't mean that we're doomed to future extinction. The Lord will return. One day all things will be made new. Yes, we have to be stewards of the planet, and yes, we have to do our bit, of course. But we're not doomed to a doomsday scenario that the world's going to end, that's it. The Lord will return. All things will be made new. Now, I enjoy the current world that we live in. I don't know about you. I love being out and about in creation. I love the mountains and the hills and the rivers. And uh, I love being there. And it's beautiful, isn't it? This world we live in is beautiful. It's marred, but it's beautiful. And we all have special places. Maybe you have a special place that you like to go to. Uh, that's a particular view or a piece of ground that you call home, your back garden even, somewhere that's special to you. And we love different parts of, of creation, whether that's in North Wales, whether it's in the Lake District or where, wherever it may be. I don't believe we're going to say goodbye to this world. We're rather going to say, hello, new world. A wonderful place to belong to for all eternity. But you're not going to be alone there, of course, are you? There will be the family in heaven. Life in heaven will be part of the redeemed community of God's people. So we're not going to live in isolation. You're not going to live by yourself, but with each other. Yes, with the angels, of course, but mainly with fellow humans who are redeemed as well, fellow believers, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We'll be a perfect family together, a large family. No more being in the minority, sometimes as a believer, when you're out in the working world or in school or college, university or at home or in your street, you're in the minority. There's, you feel like there's just me here, but there'll be none of that because we will all know the Lord. Many mansions, Jesus talks about, a great multitude that no one can number. And we'll be a very varied family. Every tribe, tongue, and nation, every ethnicity will be there, present in glory, in heaven, the new creation. All types of personality, we're all different, aren't we? We're all different quirkinesses, uh, each, each with our own experience, each with a different way that the Lord has brought us to heaven. There's variety there as well. And we'll be a united family, think of that. No more arguing, no more falling out, no more squabbles or disagreements. No cliques anymore, no moaning or complain complaining, no misunderstanding each other, no pride there. No angry looks at someone else, no cold shoulder or getting a hump with each other. No more silent treatment, no more huffs. Jesus' prayer will finally be fulfilled that they may all be one. 
finally realized in heaven. Sometimes we might find here and now some Christians difficult to like, difficult to love. But in heaven, there'll be no cantankerous family members. No one who's a little bit awkward and you find awkward and difficult. We'll all have Christ-like radiant personalities together. It'll be a joy to love each other. Think of that. No more loneliness. Just the closest of relationships and friendships. Closer than we could ever have in any relationship in this life. So I'm sure we're going to know each other. We will recognize each other. Jesus said there'll be no, no marriage in heaven. But the relationships that we will enjoy in heaven will be closer than any marriage relationship could ever have been in this life. And so the, that relationship also, we perhaps could argue, the, the marriage relationship will also be transformed. We won't be married in heaven, but surely we'll know each other, but in a much closer way than here on earth. But one thing as well, just to go back to, right to the very beginning of what we spoke about, spoke about this morning. Um, be careful to not have the main thing that you're looking forward to of being with your loved ones. The main thing you're looking forward to is being with Christ. He is the one you look forward to being with. And then everything else, all our other relationships flow from that. And we look forward to those as well. So hopefully there's been an encouragement for you here to set your eyes on what's ahead, what's coming. Here's an encouragement to keep sharing your faith with others, to keep sharing the Lord Jesus with others. One day they may be in heaven. One day they may um, come to experience all this that we've been talking about this morning. If you're involved in their conversion, what a joy that will be. Keep going, keep making the Lord known. Are you praying for your children? Are you, are you parents who are praying for your children? Keep praying for them. One day they, under the grace of God, will be there as well. Keep at it, don't give up. And what an incentive as well to love each other, fellow believers, while we're here on earth. Here surely is a rebuke to our quarrels, our criticisms, our disputes, our falling out with each other. Look ahead to what we will be in the new creation. What dishonor those disagreements and arguments and quarrels bring to Christ in this life. We can look forward to rest as well. We'll be resting in service. Our service here for the Lord, it's hard, isn't it? It's tiring. There it will be our service, and I believe we will still be serving the Lord, we'll still be worshiping him, but there'll be no frustration in it, no toil, no sweat. It'll be a delight, serving him day and night. We will learn more and more about God. We'll learn more and more of him. We'll be given new tasks to do that we never would have dreamed of being able to do down here, using our gifts and our talents um, in, in their fullest to serve him above. Let that be an incentive for you today to serve him here below. While you're, while you're looking forward to and anticipating heaven, get stuck in in serving him here and make it your aim to know him more. You have eternity to know more and more of him, but let it begin here. Know God more here and serve him here. Because the more our faithfulness to the Lord now in this life, the more our heavenly responsibilities will be when we finally make it to glory. Yet we'll never be jealous of each other's roles and the responsibilities that they have. I wonder if you're here this morning and you're, st and you're still outside the kingdom of God. Is that you this morning? Do you know that you're not a Christian? 
Could you say, well, I don't know if I'm going to heaven? In fact, you might say, I know that I'm not because I'm not saved. Well, will you see that this offer of glory is open to you as well? Trust in him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And you can have assurance and certainty that you will be there too. Don't leave it until it's too late. And as a believer, do you need to know that the sufferings of this present, present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us? The challenges and the struggles and the suffering and the difficulties that we face in this life, we're told, are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed. As hard as it is now, and how hard life is, isn't it? Don't dispute that. But compared to the glory to come, Paul tells us there, it's not worth comparing. So are you living your life in the light of heaven? Should we be more heavenly minded? Stop chasing after the things of this world? Stop trying to get more and more of the things of this life? Seek to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth where moth and rust destroy. If you set your hope on these things, if you set your hope on what's above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, if you have a mind that is more and more heavenly minded, then your life below here today will also be totally transformed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the glories of your word that reveal to us what you have provided for us in our great salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ has brought to us. We pray that we would not neglect this great salvation that has been revealed through your word, but that we might set our hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be heavenly minded so that we can be of great earthly use, that our lives down below can be will be transformed as we look to things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Lord, help us in this, we pray. Forgive us that we're too earthbound. We're too earthly minded. We get too taken up with the things of this life, with my interests, with what I want, with my relationships, with my lot in life. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Help us to deal with and battle with the sin that, that dogs us and trips us up, knowing that one day we will be perfectly glorious in heaven. Help us in this, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing again before we share the Lord's Supper together. Love divine or love's excelling.